Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster, Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game, we are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky. super excited about today's show. If you read the recent Soccer Journal, you read the story about Haley Carter, the assistant coach for the Afghan women's soccer team. Haley Carter moving mountains for women's empowerment. Her story is amazing. She's up first. And then Chad Edwards joins me from D2 Missouri Western women's soccer team. They upset number one Central Missouri on September 21st, last Friday, ending UCM's 32-game winning streak, and the first time they've been able to shut out UCM any team since 2015. That's 58 games. Chad Edwards is fired up, and he's also tied in to Haley Carter. He went to high school with Kelly Lindsay, the head coach of the Afghan women's team. How about that? Haley Carter, Chad Edwards, big show. Coming up after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help customers save their time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com United. So the headline reads, Building Lives Beyond Borders. The subhead, written by Erica Cohen, says... American soccer coach dedicates her life to helping Afghan women living in Kabul and other refugees around the world come together around their love of soccer. This in the Soccer Journal. And it's about Haley Carter, who we're going to meet right now, and we're going to really get to know her because she is an amazing woman that's still doing amazing things. But it's time to hear her story on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. And Haley Carter joins me now. Haley, pleasure to be with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Dean. Thank you for having me. We kind of teased a little bit, but the way I like to do this, if you ever listen to my show, I like to go to the early days, Haley. And we talked a little bit before we came on the air, and I want to do that now. Tell us where you grew up and how you ended up at the Naval Academy. And please, you know, fill in all the blanks for us as we get there. So um, I currently live in Houston, and I actually grew up in Houston. I grew up in a suburb just south of the city called Friendswood. And, um, you know, I grew up playing the game. I started at four. I went to a tournament with my cousin. Um, he was a little bit older than me. And um, and I came home to my mom, and I was like, I really want to play this game called soccer. And um, so she signed me up at four. I played with a local YMCA team, and I sort of never looked back. And, um, you know, played, you know, did ODP when ODP was really the only route um, to the national team. There was no ECNL. There was no DA. It was just. Um, ODP and uh, I played in South Texas and then in Region 3 and as I grew you know I was getting older I had plenty of opportunities was being recruited by um, several schools to play in college I knew that I wanted to play in college that was never really um, you know it wasn't really an option to me like that was going to happen and um, but when I was in junior high the Discovery Channel had this uh, feature that they did, and it sort of highlighted all four uh, service academies. And, uh, you know, I, I just really found myself drawn to the Naval Academy. I thought the stuff that they were doing was really cool. And I think I was in eighth grade, maybe. And I told my mom, I really want to go there. I, that's where I want to go to school. And But as I got into high school and was being recruited, um, 
I wasn't really sure. Like, I still wanted to do that, but, um, you know, I had the opportunity to play Division One college soccer there because they have a great program. And uh, so I went for a camp once. I think it was between my um, sophomore and junior year, maybe, and maybe my junior and senior year. It was a while ago. Um, and, yeah, I just fell in love with the place. And, you know, the, the great thing, I think, for Karen and Rob, who are coaching there, is that, you know, players want to go there. You know, it kind of sells itself. It's not, um, there's not a, a great big recruiting draw. You know, they, um, the Naval Academy itself is attracting athletes that, you know, are, have priorities. And you don't necessarily go there thinking that you want to play pro soccer when you get out. Um, but, you know, it's fantastic. They, it kind of sells itself, I think. And um, so I wound up, graduated from high school, wound up going and playing for four years for Karen at Navy. Let me just you jump know, in there and remind everybody when yeah. she says Karen, she's talking about the great Karen Jennings Cabrera, who's a U.S. Soccer Hall yeah. of Famer. She's part of the yeah. Triple Edge Sword that featured Michelle Akers, April Heinrichs, and Karen Jennings when the U.S. women won the first ever World Cup in China in 1991. Karen Jennings played at UC Santa Barbara. She was a legendary player and Boy, you think Michelle Akers, April Heinrichs, Karen Jennings was every bit as good as those two, which is pretty amazing. Might be the three best forward line in the history of women's soccer, actually, if you break it down. And I know we got some good ones now, but that's just my opinion from afar. So she's at Navy, and you go there and keep it going. Yeah, she's she's certainly a legend. And playing for her was fantastic. So I played for her for three seasons, or four years, and, um, and then... You know, when you graduate from the Naval Academy, you have two options. You can either go into the Navy or um, you can compete for a commission in the Marine Corps. And I actually opted to compete for a commission in the Marine Corps. Um, I met several Marine officers while I was on the yard, which is the campus, while I was there. uh, And I just really was attracted to their leadership style. And um, if you've ever run on a treadmill on a ship, you can appreciate that that really sucks. And so um, (laughs) the Marine Corps is definitely the option for me. Uh, and so I, I took my commission in the Marine Corps, uh, and I spent close to eight years in the Marine Corps on active service. And um, the first four years of it, close to the first four years, I was based in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And I was a logistics officer, so I, I made two deployments, actually, in support of um, Operation Iraqi Freedom. And in between deployments, you know, we actually have a U.S. All-Armed Forces soccer team. And... Uh, we compete in military world soccer championships, which is fantastic because, um, you know, several European nations and South Korea, for instance, and even some of the South American nations, they have a, a mandatory service requirement. And so, um, you know, in many of those countries, the players, it's they only send their U23 national team or their pool national team players, and that's sort of their service obligation is playing the game, which is makes me a little bit jealous but um and so you know you get to play this wonderful soccer at a really high level uh, that a lot of people aren't really given an opportunity to play in once they graduate from college so that was really cool and then while i was on deployment you know we had pickup games and tournaments whether it was with um various iraqi interpreters or every unit was put together a team um, i played against the seventh iraqi army division's team and I was usually um, the only female to play. Um, on my first deployment, my roommate actually played soccer with me at Navy. And there was another Marine who had played soccer at Navy. And so the three of us would um, would get involved in tournaments, but uh, we were usually the only ones. Uh, and it was great. You know, it was like 5v5. 
on rock hard, solid dirt, <laughs> like concrete. Um, but it was really fun and it was a great stress release. So, um, you know, it's, it, soccer has always been sort of this thing that I've kept in my life. You know, when I was in the Marine Corps, obviously the priority was being a Marine and, uh, and that came first, but I've always loved the game. And so having that as an opportunity to, you know, for an hour and a half, every couple of days, just go and kick a ball around. was just, uh, it was really needed to be honest. And, um, after that, um, sort of the, my first, um, duty station, I went to Hawaii and I was running missions uh, in various countries in Southeast Asia and across Oceania. And um, in between missions, I was playing semi-pro in this league. It's called the W1. And um, and that was sort of right as the league WPS was folding and um, NWSL had not come about yet. And um, so, you know, players were going home and doing whatever and just trying to get games where they could and train where they could. And it was really competitive. It's a really competitive league. I actually was teammates with Caprice Didasco, who's an outside back in Washington. And then, you know, she was a junior and senior in high school and was a forward. And so it's been fun to kind of watch her go from that to, you know, growing and developing into this pro player. And I've seen her, you know, when she went to UCLA and then to the pro game. It's been fun to watch. But um, so I got out of the Marine Corps. I took a job in Austin. And within about six months of me getting out of the Marine Corps, the dash was being established. And I knew that Randy Waldron was going to need more than two goalkeepers for training and especially going into preseason camp. So I reached out to him and um, was like, you know, I'm back, I'm back in Texas. Like, I'm not that far. Like, you know, I know you're going to need more goalkeepers. And he was like, yeah, Haley, like, we, I would love to have you come out. So he was like, come to open tryouts. We'll start there and then we'll go. And so, you know, I, I went to open tryouts and I got invited back the next day and then I got invited back for preseason and then I got invited back every day after that for three seasons. I even tried to retire once um, after my second season and Randy called me back and said, please don't retire. Like, I need your leadership to <laughs> play a third season. And so uh, I said, okay. And I came back and I played my third season. And uh, so I actually retired from the dash in 2016 um, but while I was playing um, all three years that I was playing actually I was involved in coaching so whether it was with South Texas Olympic Development or working with um, the region as part of the region three staff uh, or you know I was a volunteer assistant at Houston Tillotson University and then again at Sam Houston State and I just I had a great experience coaching and in my third season in 2016 my um, cleat sponsor was a company called Hummel International. It's a Danish sportswear brand. Big in the 90s in the U.S., they left the market, and they were trying to get back into the U.S. And, um, you know, I, I, I decided to partner with them. Um, their cleats are, are pretty comfortable, but the real reason I decided to partner with them is that their um, sort of mantra is changing the world through sport. And so corporate social responsibility is a really big deal to them. And they sponsor um, a lot of federations or teams that don't have resources or, you know, from a risk mitigation standpoint, the Nikes or Adidas's of the world may not want to get into that uh, particular market. And one of the um, groups that they sponsor is the Afghanistan Football Federation. And so um, they were just getting ready to launch a new women's uniform um, that has a built-in hijab and base layer for the women that are playing in Afghanistan to be able to play covered without having to wear an additional hijab or whatever. Um, 
and they said, hey, we're getting ready to do this kit launch. Uh, we know, uh, you know, based on your background and your deployments, and we know how serious you are about women's empowerment and uh, women in the Middle East. And so we'd really like to connect you with the program manager of the Afghanistan Women's National Team. She had sought asylum in Denmark. She was interning for Hummel International at the time. And so I said, yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, and so they put me in touch with a woman named Kalita Popal, um, and she's the program manager. She is an unbelievable woman. Um, she actually was forced to leave Afghanistan because of death threats that were made to her um, because of the effort that she was putting in trying to empower women through football. Um, and, you know, there's just a lot of people that don't appreciate that and didn't appreciate that at the time. So, um now she's in Denmark running the team. I connected with her. We basically became best friends overnight. We really hit it off. Uh, and, you know, I told her, hey, well, you know, if there's ever anything that you need help with with the team, just let me know, and I'll do whatever I can. And uh, it took about two weeks, and two weeks later she called me. She's like, you know, how serious were you about that offer? And, um, and I just said, yeah, you know, what do you need? She's like, well, I need a goalkeeper coach. I'm like, I can square you away there. And then she said, you know, I'm trying to really kind of revamp and uh, rebuild this team from scratch. Um, and I want it to be competitive. We want to feel the best team that we can. Um, and I don't know how to do that. So um, help me. And I said, okay, absolutely. The good thing is I was a logistics officer in the Marine Corps, right? So logistics and planning is kind of my thing. <laughs> um, and so we set up, you know, we made sure that we got insurance for the team. Um, we partnered with Soccer Without Borders so that we could fundraise for the team um, through a nonprofit organization. Every, you know, any of the funds that we got uh, were very open book, everything's transparent. You know, we can be audited at any time. Um, and it started planning camps and events and traveled uh, to North America, the U.S., um, to different events uh, to kind of recruit um, players that could qualify to play for Afghanistan. So, as it stands right now, the team that we have, half of them are in Kabul, and the other half are sort of spread and sprinkled across North America, um, Australia, and Europe. And either they're refugees or their parents are refugees that, you know, fled Afghanistan in the 80s after the Soviets invaded. And so um, very interesting dynamic. Coaching the team is very much about um, collaboration and cooperation and building sort of a, a unity amongst the team and um, getting you know getting them to appreciate and understand that even though some of them live in Kabul and some of them live elsewhere, they're all Afghan and they all have the same heritage and they're all working together for the same goals. So, yeah, it's crazy. Crazy and powerful. Talking with Haley Carter, the assistant coach of the Afghan women's soccer team, and more importantly, making sure she empowers women through the game of soccer, through service. She's incredible. We'll have more with Haley Carter after this message. This is Dean Linky with a special message from the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. The United Soccer Coaches Foundation has opened up applications for their annual grants and scholarships. Grants and scholarships are available for convention registrations, advanced education diplomas, or for the opportunity to host a United Soccer Coaches educational course at your facility for your coaches and your community. To apply or to find out more, please visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash donate or contact Contact Development Officer Amanda Mitchell. The United Soccer Coaches Foundation wishes everyone luck with their application.
so people following along right now, if you're not getting the picture that Haley Carter does not sleep, that she actually moves <laughs> mountains, that should be the picture. In fact, I love the opening paragraph written in the Soccer Journal. It says, to anyone walking down the street, Haley Carter might seem like any other normal mom living in the suburbs of Houston, Texas. Some may recognize her as a former NWSL goalkeeper, as she said for the Houston Dash. But what most people don't know is that she is also a United States Naval Academy graduate. You heard that. She was part of only 16% that went and became a U.S. Marine Corps veteran from the Naval Academy. And now, as she said, she's the assistant coach for the Afghan women's national soccer team. But folks listening right now, it's so much deeper than that because you heard her say just a couple times, women's empowerment. And you got to remember in Afghanistan how women are treated and they've got to be covered up. And then now the tie into Hummel where they create this uniform where they are still covered up, but maybe it's a little bit better. But it's even deeper than that. I mean, you're talking about FIFA and trying to move FIFA to do more for women, not just for your team in Afghanistan, but Trinidad and Tobago and Puerto Rico and other other women's teams as well, right? Let's get into that a little bit, Haley. Yeah, so I think, you know, the timing of both this article and, you know, things that are happening um, with CONCACAF qualifiers and, um, you know, you, most of us know what happened with Puerto Rico and the Puerto Rican women's national team and they're on on the field protests and, um, you know, I think some people have probably seen Lauren Hutchinson of Trinidad and Tobago um, taking to social media to kind of highlight some of the current concerns that she has for their national team. And I think what's important here is, you know, I've been working with Afghanistan for two years, um, you know, and I have friends that have been working in other countries and, and where resources are limited. You know, you take Lisa Cole and the great things that she was doing in Papua New Guinea. Um, for the U-20 World Cup. And, you know, you, there's a lot of women involved that are trying to um, create more opportunities, sustainable opportunities, I think, um, you know, for women football players to be able to succeed. And um, and it's a battle. I think every day is a battle. You know, for the last two years, we've been fighting every day, you know, working with the Federation to make sure that players have the facilities that they need to be successful, the support that they need to be successful. Um you know, and making sacrifices to ensure that they the players are getting what they need. And ultimately, this is about them. I love coaching. I love being involved. Um, but this is really about the players. Um, and it's about women's player, women players everywhere. And I think it's important that, like I said, from a timing standpoint, um, you know, we can't forget about these things. We can't what what the Puerto Rican women's national team did kind of go. You know, how long are we going to remember that? Three or four weeks? A couple of months like this is a fundamental battle that women football players are fighting every day everywhere um, and so I think it's important that as coaches especially we recognize the role that we can play um, as part of the overall larger community and trying to empower these women and, and I think that it takes a village and it takes a global village to come together and continue to highlight some of the issues that these you know women's teams are facing and I think FIFA does stand on the precipice of doing something great because now, whether their hand is being forced or not, um, they have the opportunity, I think, to turn things around. And, you know, and, and then also, you know, FIFA can't boil an ocean. So I don't think that 
we can put everything on FIFA. I think that, you know, we, again, as a coaching community um, and as a football community, need to be comfortable pressuring the regional um, federations as well, whether it's CONCACAF, whether it's AFC, UEFA, OSC. Like, um, we need to feel comfortable pressuring them as well because they play a part in this and managing their member nations and making sure that the women's side is getting the support that they need and that each of those sort of um, regional federations has a women's football whether it's a technical director or a development officer or somebody, you know, that those positions are getting filled. They're getting filled by competent people who want to make change um, and can effectuate change, and that those regional organizations are supporting that. Um, you know, that, that really matters. I think, you know, I think sometimes as coaches we have these myopic lenses on where we're focused on just our team and how we can be successful and how we can win games. You know, but really we talk about developing players and my biggest concern is not just developing players, but developing humans, developing opportunities for women to be successful. And so I think as coaches, it's important that we understand um, the platform we have at a much larger, much more holistic level um, to really give opportunities for our players to find success on and off the field. You know, I think obviously we care about FIFA rankings. Um, FIFA rankings make it a little bit easier for us to get the financial support that we need. But ultimately, you know, these women, just like me, I, I wasn't going to be able to play football forever. You know, I, you know, I can still kick a ball around, but we want to make sure that we're creating sustainable opportunities for women off the field as well, so that we're creating leaders. You know, we've had players that have gone on and they've become doctors, they've become lawyers, um, you know, players that are really winning at the game of life. Um, but then you want to keep that going with the game as well, you know, so creating legacy programs that – we know um, are going to continue. You know, right now, my focus is on the senior women's national team, but how can we get um, more involvement in youth programs established now? And that's just as important to us, um, getting as many players involved in the game as young as possible. You know, that really matters. And so, um, yeah, I just think as coaches, we just need sometimes to take a step back and realize that the impact we have on our players' lives but not only on our players' lives, but the examples that we're setting um, everywhere. I want to make sure everybody realizes. Yeah, I want to jump in there because I want to make sure everybody realizes when she talks about coaches making impacts on lives, she's not talking about your Bethesda, Maryland suburb team. She's talking about Afghanistan, folks. And she even says, and I'm quoting you now, Haley, these women hold a very special place in my heart. And I want to do all I can to help support them. Somehow we just find a way to make it work. Well, organizations have noticed. And in 2016, you became the first female professional player to receive the FIP Pro World Players Union Merit Award for your efforts coaching the Afghanistan women, which you continue to do today. Now, from what I understand, you are still using these funds or have used them to cover the team's yeah. expenses and participation in the 2016 South Asian Football Federation Women's Championships and perhaps other camps throughout the world. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So, um, I mean, yeah, the bottom line is that, you know, um, from a financial support standpoint, we don't, we don't always get everything that we need. Um, and like I said, that, that is a problem that's happening everywhere. You know, um, Puerto Rico skylines it, Lauren skylines it for TNT. Um, but I think we need to realize as a community that that's, it's not isolated. That sort of, um, that 
financial restrictions are happening everywhere. I mean, obviously with Afghanistan, that is a nation that is still in conflict. And so, um, you know, I, th- I think it might be a little bit more understandable there that there's some difficulty. But we as a staff, you know, kind of taking it upon ourselves to partner and go out and try and fund, you know, fundraise for these women. And the players have taken on, you know, whether they're selling T-shirts or, you know, going door to door, like the players have taken on some responsibility for that. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I was fortunate enough to – we had a private donor support our camp in California – um, you know, we've had, like I said, the partnership with Soccer Outboarders has been phenomenal. Um, and then, yeah, I use the funds from Pro to cover, you know, travel expenses and country expenses. What about your safety? And then um, follow that up with remind everybody that, for instance, like Hummel, they do have to do these uniforms. These women still have to be covered up pretty much at all times, right? As the Marine of the team, um, I'm usually the one on staff who's, overly concerned about safety um and i can tell you that we don't go anywhere without me having like had made connections whether it's with the state department or the embassy or um you know double and triple checking things and making sure that our hotel information isn't out there um i can tell you that the staff as americans like we have not traveled to kabul um We've been asked to do it a couple of times, but um, I have aired and Kelly has aired sort of on the side of caution with that. And um, and so, and, and to be honest with you, um, it's easier for us actually to find third-party locations, sort of neutral locations to train. So um, we hosted the one camp in Southern California. We were able to get one girl from Kabul to attend. Um, this was before the current administration, but um, she had done significant work with the UN Youth Assembly, and you know it, it was it was not that difficult to get her into the country. But other than that, you know, we were able to participate in India because we can bring the team from Kabul, we can bring the team from everywhere else. Um, Jordan, other perfect example. You know, we had the camp in Jordan this year, and we played two friendlies against them. That's also a location where we can get players in. So. You know, for us, it's communicating and coordinating with other um, federations and other national team staff. Um, Mike Dickey was the head coach of Jordan at the time, and so uh, we were able to coordinate directly with them to be able to get friendly set up and everything like that. So, um, so you know, yeah, we've, we've tried to find locations that are safe, locations that are um, logistically feasible. We can get visas. We can do all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, safety is always a priority, and, and I can tell you, um, we had a little bit of a political um, firestorm over um, our friendlies in January. The players, um, some of the players, did not compete in their base layers because they were trying to compete. They were really uncomfortable. And you know, traditionally we train covered, um, even as a coaching staff, we usually are covered. Um, and uh, you know, so obviously that that culture matters to us um but you know personally and to be i'm a little bit outspoken on this you know i'm not in the business of regulating religious um headwear um that's a personal decision um and so you know that's a personal decision that i leave up to the players and i'm not going to regulate that as a staff member so um so yeah so we sort of faced that and dealt with that and um, there obviously has been some negative consequences that have come out of that, but ultimately, you know, when you put all of that aside, we took these women. They had never played together. Essentially, it was a new team. Even though they competed in SAF in 2016, we went. We competed against Jordan. They're ranking in the top 50, 
you know, and we lost five and six zero, which doesn't sound like a big accomplishment. But our, you know, the first international match for Afghanistan was in 2010, you know, and they were losing 13-0, you know, consistently. And so, um, the progress that's being made, both on the field and off the field, is um, unbelievable. And so, you know, we really try as a staff and as a team to focus on the positive. We can't control the things that happen around us. We can't control the political climate. We can't control. Um, the things that are said about our team on social media, um, but we can control sort of how we feel about ourselves, and we can control um, how we work together and how we come together as a team and a staff and a group. And so, um, you know, we do. We just really try and focus on the positives. That's focus on the positives and focus on the things you can control. Haley Carter, is she amazing or what? We'll have more about her story and what she plans to do with her next 5, 10, 15 years. Impressive woman. More with Haley Carter after this message. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. We were talking to Haley Carter. She played for the Naval Academy. She went into the Marines. She came back. She was with the Houston Dash. She's been coaching everywhere else. And now she's made it her mission here with the Afghanistan women's soccer team. But as I said earlier, not just that. She's made it her mission to make sure FIFA stands up, takes notice, and supports these women's teams all over the world. Now, with that, you already talked about the fact that you've relied on a variety of organizations to help provide resources and financial support. Mm -hmm. Soccer Without Borders, you talked about, and then Hummel International, this company that sponsored you with your gloves. They developed these custom-designed kits with an attached body base layer and then you also mm-hmm. said that the united soccer coaches that you know obviously yeah. the reason you're on this show has been an instrumental resource not only for coaching information but also broader development information talk a little bit about that yeah so you know i love united soccer coaches um i joined when i started getting into coaching in 2013 so i obviously have not been um a part of it for too terribly long i mean you know, I, I, I still have my NSCAA, like, all state certificate. I think my mom has it hanging on my wall in my bedroom <laughs> from my school. But, um, you know, I that's been an organization that's been instrumental, whether it's through coaching education, whether it's through networking, especially on the women's side. Um, you know, it, it provides an opportunity for women coaches to come together, and, and I think that's important. I think... You know, right now, if you look across, um, if you look across the country, and you look in the league, even in NWSL, you know, something that we need to see more is more women coaches. Um, and so, you know, and I think it's important that we come together. You know, high-level women coaches, whether it's Becky Burley or Leslie Gallimore, um, you know, that Erica Dombach, and if those women are coming together and sort of supporting and mentoring younger women, and I know that mentorship is important for all of those women. And so, you know, to have United Soccer Coaches is sort of the vehicle for doing that um, and an opportunity to facilitate those conversations is really important. Um, you know, we have there's a lot of younger women's coaches that are sacrificing a lot to be able to come up and coach at the highest level and get their um, diplomas and get their licenses from U.S. Soccer. And, you know, they're really investing a lot in the game. 
And so to have the opportunity to come together collectively uh, is really important. Um, you know, there's, I think sometimes you just need a little bit of encouragement and you need that mentorship regardless of what point you're at in your career. Um, and so for me, that, that for me, that is the most important aspect of United Soccer Coaches is the networking piece, um, you know, and, and the opportunity for women coaches to be able to come together and support and encourage each other. We kind of sort of try to plow through the glass ceiling of coaching here in the U.S. and, and elsewhere globally. So. so what is the end goal for Haley Carter? Because based on your story, your background, you're still young. I would think any entity involved in international diplomacy, uh, involved in female empowerment, involved in youth uh, activity would want you to be involved in some way. I mean, what is Haley Carter going to be doing five years from now, ten years from now? Is she still going to be with the Afghanistan women's soccer team, um, which is a big goal. Maybe that's the biggest goal. Are there bigger goals involved in what you truly want to accomplish? So, um, you know, that would be great. I, to be honest with you, I have no idea what I'm going to be when I grow up. Um, <laughs> I probably am not going to know. <laughs> I, you know I'm going to be dead before I know what, knowing what I'm going to be when I grow up. But um, I am currently, I go to law school at night. Um, I, you know, I have my GI Bill. And I actually, I have an MBA already. And so I thought, well, I need to use my GI Bill for something. So I'll go to law school. Um, and, and I don't know necessarily that I want to practice law, but I do know that, you know, I have an opportunity to learn sports law, to learn international law, and um, and to really sort of see the governance side of things through that. And, you know, I can tell you that regardless of what specific organization I work for, and I, I do want to be involved in the game, I want to be involved in the game at a high level, um, regardless of what organization it's working for, um, what I care most about, again, is being able to give back through the game and, you know, to be able to give women the opportunities that I had growing up and the support that I had growing up and um, to facilitate the development of national team programs or, um, you know, youth pipelines or, you know, just it just it's grassroots even, you know. I, for me, they're equally important, um, whether it's at a high level or whether it's at the grassroots level, you know, being able to, um, give women educational opportunities through the game or, you know, like just the confidence that comes from playing this game is unbelievable. And it's not just soccer. I mean, it's sports in general. So, um, you know, I want to be in a position where I can support women doing that. And, you know, I, I like, yeah, I'm going to law school because I know whatever I decide to do is going to make me better at it. Um, but to answer your question, no, I have no idea. But if there's anybody out there that would like to hire me to get involved in the game, uh, I'm available. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> well, with that, if people want to know more about your story or and or more about the Afghanistan women's soccer team, which is your current uh, primary mission, where can they yeah. go to follow you, follow that team, and just stay in touch with the great movements so, that you're making? Um, we're on Twitter. Um, our hand, I'm on Twitter as well. You can just search my name. Um, the Afghanistan national team's on Twitter. It's at Afghanistan WNT. Um, we're also on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. Um, and yeah, you can reach out and read there. And hopefully, we'll have some new developments soon in terms of what um, the next steps and next events are for the team. Um, and uh, yeah, so. Yeah. We can follow you there. Okay. Final question. Uh, okay. If people are 
trying to follow along right now with your story, what's the best way to say what you want to accomplish? And we kind of talked about it already, but I always like to end with kind of a summation of what you're trying to do in your life and helping these other other women's lives. So um, I just want to I want to use the game as a platform to do good things in the world. Um, and right now, my focus is on empowering women and giving women opportunities. Um, that will probably always be a recurring theme as a woman player myself. Um, but ultimately, my objective and my goal and sort of my mission in life is to, you know, the game gave me so much growing up and still to this day, like, it gives me a lot. It's given me friends. It's given me opportunities. Um, it's given me confidence. And so I want to be able to share that with everybody else. I want to be able to share that with the people that don't have those things um, and use, like I said, the game as a platform to just do good things in the world. I think, you know, it's a language that everyone speaks and um, I want to capitalize on that. Boy, nobody speaks the language like you, though. Haley Carter. She has dedicated her life to soccer and service, and I'm talking service at the highest level, finding a way to combine the two at almost every turn of her adult life, and as you just heard her say, ready to do more and more of that. Haley Carter, this has uh, been as about as enjoyable of a podcast as I've ever had. You are an amazing, amazing thanks, woman. Yeah, thanks for all you do and all you're going to continue to do. I can't wait to, to meet you. I hope you go to the convention in Chicago and and yeah. all the best. If you ever need more help with the podcast, promoting your message or fundraising, just let us know and uh, we'll tie you in for sure. Thanks for being with us, Haley Carter. Absolutely. Thank you. So Haley Carter with the Afghanistan women's national team works with Kelly Lindsay, the former Notre Dame star, former coach in the U.S. professional ranks for women. She's over there as well doing great things. Just by a stroke of luck, I think, Chad Edwards, who's the head coach of Missouri Western State University D2 women, knocked off the unbelievable team University of Central Missouri one to nothing on Friday, September 21st, ending a 32-game unbeaten streak for the University of Central Missouri. He went to high school with Kelly Lindsay. He knows all about Haley Carter. He joins me next on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help customers save their time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com slash United. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Wow, how about Haley Carter, huh? Is she an amazing woman? Are you kidding me? She's doing it all and doing it for the empowerment of women and using soccer and service with the Naval Academy, the Marine Corps. Ah, makes me proud to be American, proud to be with United Soccer Coaches, and proud to know her now. And also, uh, as a segue, there's an interesting tie-in. As we uh, told you earlier, we're now joined by Chad Edwards. He's the head coach for D2's Missouri Western women's soccer team. They upset number one Central Missouri last week, one to nothing, 
ending UCM's 32-game winning streak and for the first time shutting out that team in 58 games with their one nothing victory. Talking about Chad Edwards, as I said, the head coach now in his eighth season at Missouri Western State University. Chad, thanks for being with us. Dean, great morning. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, it's a pleasure to be on with you. And Haley's an amazing person. And, um, you know, we, I actually went to high school with Kelly Lindsay, uh, who was a part of that program, too. And it's just so neat to see them involved in that program and what they're doing for those females um, over in the Middle East and just through, throughout the world. Uh, it's really cool. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm proud to call her a friend. And I'm really proud of what those two. Um, women are doing and, and just you know for the women's game in general it's really special and um, very uh, very cool to see that and looking forward to following them and helping them out as much as we can as well. Yeah, what a fortuitous uh, you know stroke of faith here and, and luck when you think about it because Kelly Lindsay is the head coach of the Afghanistan team, Notre Dame star and former coach uh, professionally uh, here in the U.S. and of course Haley Carter, you know doing what she's doing, um, amazing. So you went to high school with her. Are you guys the same age or what's the deal? Yeah, she was a, uh, just quite a bit talent, more talented than me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we went to uh, Miller North High School in Omaha, Nebraska, and. We graduated in 1997, and she went to uh, off to Notre Dame and had an amazing career there, and then went on to play professionally. And I uh, went to Missouri Southern and had a fun uh, fun career there, and had met a lot of amazing people and had a great experience and uh, played all four years there. And she wanted to play professionally, and I went on to uh, work because I wasn't very good. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, no, she's a, a great person and. Somebody that uh, really, really was special to watch uh, throughout her playing career because she dealt with a lot of adversity as far as injuries were concerned and just kept on battling. And she is certainly somebody that I have massive respect for and, um, you know, that a lot of players can look up to dealing with hardship and in the the right way and continue to, to battle and fight through it. And she can teach those kids so many lessons in Afghanistan and, and just in soccer and throughout the world in general. So. A uh, special person, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I can't believe it's been over 20 years since I watched her play at Miller North. It's uh, getting old quick, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Kelly, no, it's, it's, yeah. it's really cool. Yeah, Kelly's going to tell you you're not supposed to say the 20 years part in there. Chad, yeah, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> Chad Edwards, the all-time soccer coaching wins leader at Missouri Western. He's built the Griffin soccer program into an MIAA and regional championship contender. And under your leadership, the program has set new heights and rewritten the record books in each of the last four seasons, culminating the most successful season in school history a year ago. You became the program's all-time wins leader in 2016 and took the program from a 2-13-3 record in 2012 to a 17-5 NCAA Central Region Championship qualifying mark in 2017. That's amazing. But when you talk about 58 games for one team with, uh, you know, not being shut out, 32 games without losing, what a win your team had last week. Talk about how it all came together. Oh, what an incredible night at Spratt Stadium, and we have the utmost respect for Coach Theobald and Central Missouri and their program. They won our league eight years in a row, and that that is a program that we look up to and um, have massive respect for. They are very good, and you don't you don't win 32 games in a row in a national championship, and um, you know score goals and 50-some straight games without being really good and, um, you know, the kids having a great culture and environment and believing in the system and 
um, just having that winning mindset. So for us to to beat them, you know, it was going to take everything uh, that we could we could, we had. And uh, our kids came to play on Friday night, and it was just fun for us to uh, come out and and um, you know play at a high level and execute at a high level and have lots of energy. We just had an amazing crowd. Uh, Friday night as well. Our stadium is always a special place to play in, but it was extra special that night uh, with the you know the top team in the country and our players playing at a high level. And it was just a, it was a beautiful night and, uh, and weather wise as well. It was just it was just a really cool night. One of those nights that you'll you know never forget. And uh, you know it's it's one thing to play well and you know and against a really good team and be in the game. It's another thing to to take the lead. Uh, and you know it was neat for us to. To play really well and then execute in that moment off the corner. Sarah Collins had a, a beautiful goal off a corner from Mackenzie O'Neill, and it was just a, a great goal. And uh, you know, we talked about you know, obviously we all know that are in the game of soccer, how important set pieces are in the men's World Cup. Over forty percent of the goals were scored on set pieces. So if you can score one and and, and keep teams out of the goal off set pieces, you're going to have a pretty good shot at winning games. And uh, it was cool to see us execute. Um, in that moment, and that's what you have to do in those big games and against really good teams. In those big moments, can you execute at a high level? And I thought our kids did a really good job in the first half of executing those moments, and, and we were up 1-0 at half, but we knew that it was going to be a full 90-minute game. That's a really good team and uh, great players and great coach, and you know they're going to respond, and, and they did, and they they brought it to us in the second half. We were, uh, you know, certainly chasing the game at times, and uh, they were sending numbers forward. And but our kids responded in every moment that we needed to. Our goalkeeper and a mayor came up huge um, with a couple big saves, and I thought our back line, you know, didn't break down uh, completely. We bent a little bit, but we didn't break. And um, I thought just we were making those lunges that you have to, you know, you know, winning the head, headers in the box, you know, just everything that we could do to, to keep them out. And uh, it was it was just neat to see it all come to fruition for 90 minutes. And, um, you know, the second half, we were on our heels a little bit, and but we uh, just stayed in it and stayed true and believed in the system and trusted each other, most importantly. And whenever we needed somebody to make a play, they stepped up and made a play. And uh, it was an incredible night um, and one that, like I said, we'll, we'll remember forever. And um, I'm just so happy for our players and our alumni that have, have built a program and all the credit to these players and our alumni that built a program into you know, a, a, a group that can go out and contend with some of the best teams in the country. And it was fun to not only contend, but to, to win it too. And, uh, but hats off Central Missouri. They're, they're really good still. And uh, it's, uh, we'll play them again at the end of the season and it's going to be one heck of a game again. But uh, just, I love our kids and love the passion they played with and the energy. And, and like we said, we executed in the right moments and, it was just a proud moment for everybody associated with the program. Certainly a big night in St. Joseph, Missouri, Spratt Stadium. Almost 500 people there to witness that. And, you know, when you look at the box score, it does reflect a box score of a team that had a game plan to win it. I mean, in the first half, you can hang your head pretty high. I mean, they had 11 shots. You had nine. You both had three saves. Number one team in the country, 32-game winning streak. You know they're going to bring it. They did have 15 shots in the second half. You had five, but your goalkeeper made eight saves, and you got to come up big, right? you got to have a goalkeeper stand on her head as well and the defense in front of her. I imagine that's what happened, Coach. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I thought we defended collectively as a group uh, pretty well throughout the course of the game. You know, they're going to have their opportunities. They're, they're really good. Um, and they came in undefeated and, uh, you know, scoring a high clip, and they have really good players. Uh, and so you know they're going to get moments where they're going to have their opportunities and 
we just have to, you know, our, we're going to have to rely on our goalkeeper to, to make saves, and we're going to have to rely on our back line to to make those key tackles and and win those key fifty fifty balls as well. Um, and uh, no, it was it was a fun game. You know, those are games that you you want to be a part of and you want to compete in, and that's what that's what you know coaching and playing is all about. Playing, in, you know, just those moments of when you know it's it's a huge game and you know what's at stake and uh, you know even though it's early in the season it's it's a big regional game and uh, one that you know could potentially affect national tournaments up down the road and but you know you got to look at it as one game and um, you know we we played we played we played really well but we you know it's it's one game in the season and we've got to continue to get better as we go forward but uh, um, yeah it was it was just one of those games that was back and forth and you know, fortunately, we found a way to get that one goal in and, and held them off. But, uh, you know, walking away from that night felt really uh, special for our kids. And I'm so proud of them and so happy for them because they certainly deserve that moment. Let's give some love to Missouri Western State University. Let's start by explaining what a Griffin is and then tell us about the town and the community and the university. Yeah, we have an amazing community here. Uh, it's close to 80,000 and very supportive of our um mission here at Missouri Western and, and as our in our athletic department uh, we have just a, like I said amazing support from the community and amazing support across campus too for athletics uh, our president Dr. Bartabedian is an amazing guy that um, really cares deeply about everybody on campus and and comes to a lot of our uh, events athletically and so it's always really neat to see him and we have a a weekly media luncheon that uh, gets really good support here in town and uh, Dr. V is at every one of those uh, along with some of his administrative staff. So very, very special place to coach and go to school and, and be a part of this uh, um, university and community. Uh, Griffin, uh, it's a protector of you while you pursue your education. Uh, I think it's a really cool, unique uh, mascot and one that we uh, take a lot of pride in. It's a half eagle, half lion. And the, uh, the funny part for me, uh, just personally, is I played at Missouri Southern and coached there, and they are the Lions, and then I uh, was fortunate to coach at Avila University in Kansas City, and they are the Eagles. <laughs> so we with those two things combined, and here we are in, at Missouri Western as, as the Griff. So, it's right. uh, you know, some things in life are just meant to be, I guess. But uh, well, you know, I'm very fortunate to be here and, and work with, you know, such amazing coaches. We have Our athletic department is very successful, and Josh Looney, our athletic director, is a great person and just a great leader, and we are – We've got a really good thing going as far as, you know, not to support uh, our facilities are fantastic and just all overall the people here in town and in our on our campus are are amazing. And uh, it's fun to it's fun to come to campus every day, to say the least. Um, we've got amazing student athletes, too, that make our job so much uh, fun and exciting. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're here for them. And uh, everybody has the same mission of making our student-athletes and our students uh, successful. I love that story, the mascot, a combination of a lion and an eagle. I got to ask you, I'm not quite sure how old Malia is, but I know your wife Tiffany is also pregnant. That's a little more excitement than maybe you need with a pregnant mom right now, winning that game, stopping that 32-game <laughs> game streak. How was that night at uh, the Edwards household? Yeah, it was really special. I, You know, it's my wife is so supportive, and as we know, um, you know, in the coaching world, we we sacrifice a lot to, for uh, you know with our families and so forth. And she is amazing; uh, just supports me and everything that I do. And I, I am so thankful for her. And, um, you know, it was she's been to every home game <laughs> since 
night started here, and uh, she actually was out of town on business, and her flight was supposed to get in at 5.20, and it was delayed. And so she was not quite here when we won, but she was able to watch it a little bit on the Internet. So um, sadly, she wasn't here personally witness it but she was with us there's no doubt she's with us all the time um it was certainly a fun night you know and my my folks are just amazing people too and they they try to come to all of our games and so we were able to experience the uh, the night with them too so that was that made it extra special and malia is five and she's uh she's a big griff fan and she's, put, she's kicking the soccer ball around a little bit now too which is cool so she was there to celebrate too so it was a special moment for all of us and but most importantly, it was a special moment for our players, and all credit to them and what they accomplished that night. And with that, D2 women's soccer, talk about uh, the quality of play for D2 women's soccer, Coach. It's 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 incredible. Um, you know, there's some really, really good players and really good coaches throughout the course of, you know, Division Two, And um, I don't like to call it levels. They're divisions and there's really good players in all divisions of, of collegiate soccer and really good coaches. And, um, you know, our, our league is very challenging, and that's what makes it so much more fun to win is that you know that you're going to get every team's best effort and they're going to have really good players and good coach leading them. And that's, you know, when you win those type of games, it feels that much better uh, to, to be successful. So, uh, no, I I love coaching within Division Two. I think it's a great – uh, avenue for our kids to be successful in the classroom on uh, on the field and then also we push community here big time we have three C's that we talk about uh, the classroom the community and competition and we really try to live that out every day for our student athletes and they do an amazing job of, of, of going towards our mission too um, our kids do great in the classroom and had close to a thousand hours of community service last year as a group and then you know unfortunately we Went seventeen and five last year and made a national tournament, so that was a really neat, uh, a special season and year. And we're looking to hopefully um, accomplish something similar this year. So, no, I, I love Division Two. I played Division Two, and now I've coached in Division Two. This is, like you said, my eighth season. So this is my. That's why I feel at home and feel like uh, you know it's the right spot for me. And I just I love our kids and I love uh, Division Two and I love Missouri Western. So it's just a the perfect blend of all of that, and I'm very fortunate and, um, to be in here, and I'm hopefully can can do this for a long time. Finally, Coach United Soccer Coach is also with a clear cut mission. United coaches around the love of the game. What has United Soccer Coaches meant to you in your development? You know, I I have a lot of um, you know great memories. United Soccer Coaches. Uh, you know, do, I just went out and had my advanced national this summer, actually, and at Regis and uh, Jeff Van Dusen. I played for for two years at Missouri Southern, and uh, I'm very thankful for him and his leadership and guidance and just being a mentor for me uh, throughout my coaching career. And Chris Clements, um, who is very involved with United Soccer Coaches, is I worked with him at Avalon. He's another mentor. Kylie Cirillo, who's very active within the organization as well. So uh, Jeff's coaching tree is far and wide and I'm fortunate to be underneath it and I'm fortunate to be uh, a part of the organization. I think it's just a amazing organization that does so much for soccer and, and not just soccer but people in general and you know bringing people together from all over the world and we know that soccer is such a, a beautiful game because of the, the, the reach around the world and I think you know that organization is the top coaching organization in the world by far and 
Um, the convention obviously is the highlight of the year, but they, there's so much more that goes along with it as far as making us coaches better, um, not just on the field, but off the field as well. So what a cool organization. We're lucky that it's basically in our backyard in Kansas City. And um, I know that they're looking out for the best in coaches and our players every day. And at the end of the day, we're all in this together to make our players more successful. And there's no doubt that that's what the organization does on a daily basis. And we're fortunate to be a part of it. And hopefully we can continue to grow the game and make it even better as we go forward for our, for our players. How about that? Chad Edwards, head coach of the Missouri Western State University women's soccer team, making big news Friday, September 21st, ending a 32-game unbeaten streak for number one in your reigning D2 women's champions, University of Central Missouri. A massive win for the Griffin soccer program. Chad, pleasure getting to know you. Congratulations on that big win, and hopefully you can do it again later in the season. Thanks for being with us, Coach. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, all credit to our players. It was a special night. And looking forward to get back on the training ground with them this week and uh, continue as we, as we push forward to the season. But thank you so much. And thank you to everybody out there. Have an awesome week. And go Griffs. What a program. Haley Carter. And then you heard the tie-in with Chad Edwards. Haley works with Kelly Lindsay. He went to high school, of course, with Kelly Lindsay. Had no idea about that when we started the show. I want to also thank Mike Knipper with United Soccer Coaches and, and every member of United Soccer Coaches. We'll see you same time, same channel next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. This is Dean Linky with a special message from the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. The United Soccer Coaches Foundation has opened up applications for their annual grants and scholarships. Grants and scholarships are available for convention registrations, advanced education diplomas, or for the opportunity to host a United Soccer Coaches educational course at your facility for your coaches and your community. To apply or to find out more, please visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash donate or contact Development Officer Amanda Mitchell. The United Soccer Coaches Foundation wishes everyone luck with their application.